This is Cultivating Convos with the Ohio Department of Agriculture. And it's fun to have everyone else kind of get a little insight into what we do. Farmland forever. Actually, that was the next question I was going to ask you. Shelby, <laughs> let's wrap <laughs> this thing up. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Cultivating Convos. The Ohio Department of Agriculture is happy to have you back. I am one of your co-hosts, Shelby Croft, with me, Megan Harshbarger. Hello listeners, glad to have you back. Um, Shelby, I think this is the first podcast that I'm on in the office, like I'm recording this from office. You know, it's fun to actually have that in-person connection again. I enjoy that personally. I I hope Lauren's down the hall from you today. Lauren, are you there? (laughs) Hi, everyone. I sure am. I'm just down the hall. I'll be able to hear Lauren laughing later, I'm sure. (laughs) So when I need interaction, I just open the door and and look down the hall and I'm like, hey! (laughs) We can kind of wave from here. It's really nice. (laughs) Good deal. Well, so we are going to talk about uh, one of our divisions at ODA. Yes. Uh, enforcement. And we've, we've talked about this before, but uh, Megs, we have a, a couple a couple important things to highlight with our enforcement division this week. And I, I'm not sure that, you know, people out there really know we have an enforcement division or, or know entirely or wholeheartedly what they do. Right. Yeah, we, we have had um, our division chief of enforcement. We've had Dave Hunt on before. So let's welcome Dave back. Hi, Dave. Good morning. <laughs> Um, and yes, our enforcement division is involved in in a lot of important aspects, of course, um, with ODA. And specifically, we want to talk about a couple things. So um, obviously, the uh, Zanesville 10-year uh, anniversary of that you know tragic incident um, just passed. Um, so we do want to talk about enforcement creation and involvement after the fact um, that that happened. But we do want to talk about something that happened uh, recently, which was um, a search warrant that enforcement um, also responded to along with a couple other agencies, and that was specifically for for dog fighting. So, Dave, real quick, maybe just give an overview of of enforcement for people who maybe didn't catch that last episode you were on. Certainly, the enforcement division is responsible for conducting both administrative and criminal investigations on behalf of all the uh, regulatory divisions here at Agriculture. So, we have nine different regulatory divisions. Uh, that we're responsible for and everything from animal health, plant health, meat inspection, food safety, weights and measures, uh, the list goes on and on. So uh, we're the investigative arm for all of those uh, different divisions that may require additional follow-up on any matters that they're looking at. Yeah, it's, um, and like I said, I've been doing these cases for 20 years and like most law enforcement, I fell into it by accident. Uh, I was in a narcotics unit. There's a strong nexus between uh, dog fighting and, and drug trafficking. But um, like you guys, I'm, I'm a huge dog lover. I, I've always had dogs. Uh, matter of fact, I'm getting a new dog this Saturday. Uh, so I'm very excited Aww. about that. Coincidentally, it's coming from a puppy mill. It was rescued from a puppy mill. Uh, we always get rescue dogs um, you know, because of the uh, the sadness of those situations. But this this works very rewarding for me personally. Uh, you know, rescuing the dogs. Um, you know, the vast majority of times they end up getting adopted to nice forever homes, and uh, their lives are truly impacted by our intervention. So, I I love doing these cases. And I, Dave, did you say nine nine adult dogs and then nine puppies were were rescued? 
Uh, correct. Uh, there were nine adults and then nine puppies. Ugh, and of puppies. course, the puppies were adorable. <laughs> oh my gosh. I took videos. I took pictures. Ah! <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't take one. <laughs> well, my dog <laughs> does not play well with others. So that might have been a disaster. So switching gears a little bit, uh, this week is the, is the it has been 10 years since the Zanesville incident when 50 plus uh, dangerous wild animals were uh, let out of captivity and, and and ran wild. And from that, we talked about, we actually, our last podcast centered around this with Dr. Summers and Dr. Zimmerman and, you know, discussing the law that came out of that, et cetera. And uh, Dave, you, you have your job as a result of that and why you were brought into ODA. Why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah, I was uh, actually extremely fortunate, uh, basically because of timing. Um, I retired from the sheriff's office in 2011. Uh, I stayed on for a couple of years as a uh, contract employee working internet crimes against children. But I, my goal was always to come to agriculture for my, my second career, my uh, retirement career. Uh, primarily because of dogfighting. Uh, statutorily, the Department of Agriculture has venue over that, and I wanted to continue my work in that area. But uh, coincidentally, uh, with the new law uh, dealing with dangerous wild animals, uh, as well as the commercial dog breeder program, uh, agriculture was slotted some funding to uh, add an additional agent to focus on those two areas. So in uh, early 2013, uh, I was brought on board to kind of be the lead agent uh, on both dangerous wild animal and commercial dog breeders, and I've been doing it ever since then. So, Dave, after you were brought on, you know, what, how often were you responding to dangerous wild animal calls? And, you know, if you can, you know, what were you responding to at the time? Um, it was fast and furious. Uh, in 2013, when the, uh, the, the law kind of laid the groundwork for people who possess dangerous wild animals, uh, they had to register with the Department of Agriculture. Uh, so for that entire year of 2013, uh, myself and the Animal Health Program, uh, Dr. Simmerman uh, was one of the veterinarians. Uh, we did a lot of outreach and that was going around to all the different owners, uh, regardless of what kind of animal they own, bear, tiger, monkey, you name it, uh, educating them, making sure that they were prepared for when the law took full effect on January 1st of 2014. So at that time, they had to get a permit from us. They had to go through a lengthy process, uh, lengthy inspection of their property, their caging, uh, animal care through veterinary care, so on and so forth. So uh, that entire first year was just a lot of uh, windshield time driving across the entire state. Uh, and I have to admit, I, I had no idea the number of, of dangerous wild animals uh, that people owned in this state. It was quite eye-opening uh, that, you know, people would have three or four tigers in their backyard. And, um, of course, the big thing that we still see even to this day are alligators. Uh, we continually get alligators, venomous snakes. Uh, most of the big animals we don't see too much anymore. Uh, time's passed and they've either been seized or they've passed away. But uh, the program's still fairly viable and and, and still pretty busy. I said it before, I'll say it again. I don't get the alligator thing. I, you know, I, I truly think, uh, you know, a good percentage of the ones that we get uh, come from law enforcement agencies that do narcotic search warrants. 
and I think that's just kind of a uh, a Scarface type mentality that the drug dealer wants to have a, a big bad animal in his bathtub or in his basement. And uh, I don't get it. But the one that goes even beyond that for me are venomous snakes. I like laying in bed with my dog and rubbing its tummy and scratching its ears. And you can't do that with a rattlesnake or a pit viper. So <laughs> I wish everyone could have seen Lauren's face. Just <laughs> Guys, this is Lauren. I got to jump in here. Dave, I understand. I like my body tenses up when I think about snakes. Yeah. I'm I have a phobia, I think. Undiagnosed, I'm sure, but <laughs> No, I'm I am exactly the same way. Uh I've I've had numerous uh, conversations with Dr. Forshi, our state vet, and Dr. Summers, the assistant state vet. Um I'm not a snake person. Uh that that's just not my thing and especially when you talk about venomous snakes. Um uh, real quick side note on that, Dr. Summers and I had to go up uh, to Cleveland a few years ago. Um, this individual had nearly 100 venomous snakes. Uh, oh, matter of fact, he had three of the top five deadliest in the world. Mm -mm. Uh, for which there's How no is he still alive? <laughs> well, he's not. <laughs> um, oh, my gosh. Christmas Eve day, uh, 2017, uh, the police department responded to his house. He was found dead. And of course, the obvious theory was he got bit by a snake. Uh, it, it turned out to be a, a, a fentanyl overdose. But uh, we we'd, we had heard that he had received three uh, Taipan snakes earlier that day. And um, unfortunately for the police department, uh, once they thought that there's, there were snakes involved, the, the coroner refused to go in and get the body. Uh, until we would we went up oh. and swept the area and make sure it was clear and then uh, again this is Christmas Eve day <laughs> so uh, Dr. Summers and I and a couple of our health animal health inspectors cleared the way so the coroner was able to retrieve the body and um, it, like I said it ultimately was determined to be fit and all not a snake bite. So Dave when you go in there I mean you obviously have to retrieve the snakes correct? Uh, Dave doesn't retrieve the snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Uh, Summers does. <laughs> Dr. Summers and uh, and our, our uh, dangerous wild animal inspectors they they receive uh, training uh, which is really amazing. They go down to Miami, Florida every couple mm -hmm. of years for training on how to handle yeah. not only venomous snakes but the large constrictors, the anacondas and Burmese pythons. And so um, I, I like to think that I'm just the eye candy when uh, <laughs> when we do these operations. Wow. I, I was one time I was dating this guy and I'll never forget. He says to me, my, you know, my son has a snake and I was at his house and he's like, is that a deal breaker? Needless to say, I never went over there again. Yes. <laughs> Needless to say, he's not in the picture. <laughs> I will be walking out the front door. <laughs> oh my gosh. Have you guys seen an anaconda in Ohio before? Uh, no, but we've had some pretty sizable Burmese pythons. Uh, we've had a couple of 20 footers uh that wow. we've seized and uh and again we just like imagine? We're, we're all dog people uh on this uh podcast but uh snake people are no different that mm -hmm. we may go and and seize the snake and then file criminal charges and then six months down the road they got another one uh, so we, we do have what i refer to as our frequent flyers that mm -hmm. we repeatedly find out that they've obtained another snake and uh, we end up having to pursue that. Yeah, I don't want to offend anyone because I guess, you, you know, snakes are pets. Mm -hmm. 
Yes. Love them the way you love dogs. That's just not our thing. Correct. <laughs> I, you know, we've been talking about this, but that is basically what you respond to now. Am I correct? Yes. Reptiles. So we'll, uh, case in point, I just uh, got a venomous snake case uh, about 20 minutes ago that we'll be looking into. Um, so we get referrals from the public. Uh, we get a lot of stuff generated through social media. Uh, be it Facebook, Instagram, so on and so forth. So uh, we try to stay proactive as much as we can. Um, and again, it's still it's it's not as busy as it used to be, but um, we still get a decent amount of cases through the program. I think actually I was just talking with with Animal Health because we had a lot of media requests about the Zanesville anniversary and we we currently, I think this was last week or the week before, but we had 35 permits out and then 188 animals that are under those permits. And every year it keeps getting smaller. Obviously, animals pass away, you know, due to age or illness. And, you know, at some point in time, um, who knows when, uh, we, we won't have any permits because all the animals will have uh, expired and uh, you're not allowed to get a new permit once that old one expires. So um, I think that was the the intent of the legislature was eventually we would hopefully put ourselves out of business. Now, that being said, that's from the legal standpoint. Um, we, we clearly still deal with those that possess these animals illegally, uh, and, and that always will be the case. All right. Well, Dave, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about today? No, I think that's uh, pretty much the gist of it. Certainly, uh, we uh, we encourage the public to reach out to us if uh, they see or come across anything. Uh, we we pursue all those leads that we get. And uh, again, a vast majority are generated through social media. So uh, certainly if you see or hear something, it's kind of like the, uh, the Homeland Security. If you see something, say something. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Awesome. Well, thanks, Dave. We love having you on. We enjoy your your war stories. <laughs> and I'm truly a little old man now. That's all I got to my, my war stories. <laughs> disagree. Strongly disagree. But thanks, Dave, for being on. We appreciate it. And thank you my all uh, for listening and continuing to listen. We appreciate having you around. Well... Cultivating Convos is created by ODA's communications team. Make sure to hit subscribe to get the latest episodes in your feed and like ODA on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for up-to-date news about agriculture in Ohio.